Welcome to Behind the Clipboard, event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the Insider Toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to open the backstage curtain and unleash your world of events expertise. Welcome to Behind the Clipboard. I'm Tamara Cook from Known Associates Events and I'm here with my fellow events guru, Excel spreadsheet loving Melissa Howie. Ooh, now you're talking dirty to me, Excel. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this podcast, as always, on First Nations land, Wajak Noongar in Buraloo, which means Perth, Western Australia, and we pay our respects to our First Nations people. So today, we are trying to spice up a very dry topic. <laughs> <laughs> Contracts. <laughs> almost as exciting as Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> almost. Almost there. So contracts are those multi-page nightmares where event managers have to trawl through in order to ensure we're A, getting the best value for money, B, getting what we actually asked for, and C, not getting a bunch of stuff that we didn't need or want at all. Or could afford. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so Mel, what do you think the top things to do, to know about contracts in event management are? Well, the main and obvious one, everyone says read the T's and C's, but most people don't. That's why clients pay us to do it. We have to read every single word because if they say, no, I didn't want that cancellation policy or it doesn't match the event manager contract, then that's going to be a really big problem. So exactly. checking the key details is obviously the number one thing and checking them twice because things like event date, location, services that are included or not included with the, the venue or supplier, whatever the contract is, are really, really important things to check. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, I mean, once you're an experienced event manager, you'll use the same uh, suppliers and venues often. So you should only have to read through a really laborious contract maybe once once in detail. Ev- every year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, once in real detail because yeah, it can get really um, legal. Like there's yeah. a lot of legalese in there. Sometimes you read them and you just think, I actually don't know what that means. And you yeah. may, and if, if you think it might be a problem, you need to ask them to explain exactly what it means and make sure that you're getting, um, you're not signing yourself into some sort of loophole. Definitely. And that's one of the biggest tips we can give today is if you read something, you don't understand it, just ask them. Any reputable supplier is going to be able to tell you um, or further explain what that point is and what it's locking you into. Yep. And if they don't know what's going on, then that's they're not doing their homework. Sign. That's probably a sign you should get out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. They um, probably copied and pasted their T's and C's from somebody else's contract. Yeah. Trap for young players in checking key event details is the access time. So a thing people forget to look at is when the venue is allowing you access to the room. Does mm. that match when you've said AV can start bumping in? Does it match how much stuff you have to set up and is it enough time for you to get ready? Yep. That is a trap for people who are inexperienced. Mm. You really need to, I mean, obviously when you're getting to that contract stage and you're actually going to sign, you should have a very if not detailed, then rough guideline or outline of what your run sheet and bump-in schedule is going to be and you should be able to make sure, you know, things like um, that you don't really think about all the time unless you're in constant conference world is bumping in expos. I know that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a world that you're living in at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
it takes time. It takes a lot of time. And if you've got a contract with a venue and they're saying, okay, you can bump in at 12 o'clock for an event that's starting at, say, 4 p.m. and you've got an expo, you're probably going to need an extra four or five hours maybe, depending Track. on how, how big it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, depending on how big the exhibition section is. Yeah. Um, just to set it up. And you have to think about those things. And obviously you would have thought about it, but you have to check your contract and make sure that the venue's allowing for it. They haven't got a breakfast booked in mm. that, you know, is prohibiting you coming in earlier. And also if you are coming in earlier, they're likely to charge you. Yeah. So because check, check, check. Basically you're saying you need to hold this for me and you can't book any other events in the space while you're setting up. Exactly. So be prepared to pay a bit extra for that. Yeah. But it's worth it usually to ensure that everything's set up and it just can't be done in some cases and the expo was one of those cases it just can't be done without that extra six eight hours or working day really exactly so the contract should be outlining exactly what is going on and when yeah the next tip and you know it comes back to checking all the key details is pay attention to the details small print matters people Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you've seen this show on netflix recently called pepsi where's my jet (laughs) I've heard of it. It's a great name. Uh, It covers one of the, you know, universities teach it now, one of the biggest stuff ups in kind of marketing in the last 20 years. Uh, In the 90s, Pepsi ran this competition and you could get points for however much Pepsi you brought. And on a TV commercial they ran, it said, jokingly, but that's controversial, that was the whole court case, Mm -hmm. Um, you can get a jacket for 500 points, you can get a blah, blah, blah for this. You can get an electric scooter for this many points. And then he turns up in a Harrier uh, military jet and it says 7 million points. And that's the end. And there were no T's and C's, no small print at the bottom of the ad. Okay. So, so were people actually getting the jackets and the yeah, yeah, yeah. scooters? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that was the whole point of the campaign was to promote that you could use your Pepsi purchases to get these items. Uh-huh. And there was a full catalogue. There was like a leather jacket. There was Aviator Sunnies, all these things. So the Harrier Jet was on there, but with no disclaimer, no small print, no nothing. And the advertising agency, it was just a massive oversight on their behalf. Some, they, they will argue to this day that they thought it was so clearly a joke that they didn't need them, but mm. small print matters because this young guy took it seriously. He accumulated the 7 million points. And so one are of you jet- saying that he bought 7 million Pepsis? No, it wasn't one point per um, bottle. It was... How much was it? Because it's still a lot of Pepsi, right? Yeah. So the long part of this, I was trying to keep it short, but the long part is there was also this disclaimer at the bottom of the catalogue he discovered that said you can buy Pepsi points for 10 cents a point, Uh, which meant that he got an investor. He went out, young entrepreneurial guy, got an investor to pay $700,000 for the 7 million points for a jet that's worth $35 million. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it was a huge court case and- just Should we, I don't know if we want to say the outcome in case people want to go and yeah. watch it, but surely he did not get the jet. Look it up on Netflix. It's actually, it's a four-part kind of docu-series on Netflix and it was a really interesting watch. And yeah. it really makes you think how important the small print is. Yeah. Is that advertising agency agency still in business? Uh, yes. It was one of the biggest in the world. Okay. Um, so they're still going mm-hmm. and... Yeah, but they learnt their lesson. Yes. I'm very sure. And the people who were in charge of that campaign, I think, didn't work there for much longer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is a tip for your own contracts when you're sending out your own contracts to potential customers or people that you're working with. 
make sure that you've paid attention to the details also, otherwise you could be strung up yourself. Absolutely. Don't assume that people know that you're joking or it's implied or of course they're going to know that the venue doesn't come with, you know, party poppers. A jet. And, yeah, a jet. <laughs> <laughs> every, every guest arrives by jet. Yes, of course. Um, but event contracts can be a lot of legal language, like we are saying. So it's important to play, pay attention to the details. And ask questions again. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, things like don't skim over payment terms. That's going to be a big one if you're selling tickets in terms of cash flow. Mm. And it can also then lead – the cancellation policy can also um, inform your timeline in terms of if you haven't even broken even with ticket sales by the time you have to pay this large non-refundable deposit to the venue – that's going to have to form your timeline about when you need to make the decision to go ahead and risk it and throw everything you've got at this event or get out clean with minimal financial risk. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we often have to coach clients, especially if they're doing a a first-time event which is based on ticket sales, we'll need to say – they may may come up with a ticket price for – their event and they really haven't done their homework yet they're thinking oh yeah we've got this great idea we want to make it for the people and affordable but they haven't done their homework on what x y and z is going to cost to actually put the event on before they've set the price and then all of a sudden you know they're working backwards and maybe going back to the drawing board you know a lot of people do put on their own events and they come in with the best intentions yeah yeah so reading each and every contract will help along the way yeah what else do you think? Um, I was going to say that it came up, I mean, just this morning in the office, we were talking about payment terms and somebody was questioning a cancellation policy that we have or a postponement policy. And it was something that we had to put in because of COVID. COVID changed so many people's contracts. All of a sudden, yeah. everyone looked back at their T's and C's and their contracts and went, holy beep, we have no idea that what to do. <laughs> this wasn't covered. Yeah, because yeah. even, I mean, it's you've always got the force majeure in there, but uh, it, it's such a, even saying it's an act of God, it's such a old-fashioned term. Yeah. And so um, it's the sort of thing you never think will happen either. Like, yeah. Especially depending where you live, but in Perth, you know, touch wood, nothing exciting ever happens. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, we were very shielded from yeah, we COVID were. for a number of years. Thanks, Marky Mark. Yeah. However, yeah, a lot of people changed their contracts during that period and really looked at, okay, is this watertight? And if we have to, and this happened to us with known associates, um, a particular client had an event booked in and it just got pushed back by six months and then another six months and then eight months. And before we knew it, we had basically outlined and planned this event in its entirety three whole times mm-hmm. and we didn't have anything in our contract initially to, or to cover us, to cover the cost of, of redoing it three times because they kept changing it because of COVID. And it, it kind of wasn't really anyone's fault, but in mm. the end we wrote something in that made sure we were covered financially for doing work three times as much as we would have if COVID didn't come along. Yeah, it's so important. COVID, like you said, changed the whole world in terms of policies. And it was something that you used to think like nothing that unexpected could happen and then yeah bam the next day yeah like but the government was saying you can't hang out in more the more than groups of three you know like <laughs> yeah. it's just something we never, it. never saw, saw before 
Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely, you know, there's a reason lawyers exist and yeah. legal contracts exist and there's a reason lawyers are paid a lot of money. Yeah. It's important stuff. And that, that is another important point about working with people you know and trust as well. If you do it regularly, obviously, if this is your first time event, it's a bit harder. But for event managers or businesses that do it regularly, those were the times where your supplier relationships came into, you know, fruition. You could both either mutually agree to split the losses or mutually agree, you know, we haven't actually purchased anything to provide this service, so we won't hold you to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it can come down to your own discretion. For me as a business owner, it definitely did in that way. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got mouths to feed. Mm. And if you're employing people and paying people, then um, even if you haven't outlaid for subcontractors, you're still paying wages. So you still have to cover that. And then you might be dealing with a government department who can be a little bit more of a stickler. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you're right. If if you've got a good relationship with it, certainly makes it a lot easier. Mm. So another thing, important thing to check when you are reading someone else's contract is for hidden fees. Um, And venues like to do this a lot in terms of, I don't think they set out to be malicious, but it's just so much small small print you need to look out for. Some Mm. of these include extra setup fees, clean up fees, equipment and rental. They might say that they have audio visual on site, but they don't let you know that you have to pay five grand for the projector screens to be rolled down. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. One that usually gets um, people they don't see is, for example, security costs. So sometimes hidden in the small print at the bottom will be a note saying it is compulsory for a certain over a certain amount of guests for you to have security. Yeah, it's, and the cost is and the cost is one hundred and fifty dollars per hour. Exactly, and they may not have really spell that out in your contract or you may not be uh, firm on the amount of people that are going to be attending at the time of uh, signing the contract. So, yeah, Yeah, that's a good one. That can bite you in the bum, especially they also have a minimum booking period usually, which is, say, four hours. If your event's two, that's ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You have security hanging around looking at you while you're bumping out. That's always fun. (laughs) You want to help, buddy? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're huge. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, one that always gets me is, you know, after you've done it for years and years, if you want to do a confetti bomb or something fun. Oh my God, yeah. That (laughs) creates mess in a ballroom. There is always going to be a clean up fee. So think twice before you shower the room in sparkles. Yeah. Um, Another one, and it goes back to the, the hidden fees, is exclusions as well. So again, I keep going back to venue, but that's because quite often theirs is the most involved and it's usually one of the biggest financial investments or parts of the event, which is why it's the biggest contract. They will usually have, if if they have in-house catering, for example, they're going to have a clause that uh, might exempt if you want to bring in a fun gelato or barista cart or even just a cake. They'll definitely have a charge for that usually. Mm, Cakeage, corkage, all those beauties. Yeah. Also, if you're working with suppliers, an example that we came across years ago was we wanted this particular dance floor and it was an outdoor event. And when we went to book it in, we read through the contract and it said cannot be installed on grass. And you just, you don't, you don't really, you just expect you can put a dance floor pretty much anywhere, but there's some that you just cannot, they need a a level floor. They need it to be, you know, reasonably stable before Mm -hmm. they put it down. So, yeah, you just, we just had to look for a different solution. But if we hadn't read through all of those uh, details, he hadn't the supplier hadn't particularly highlighted that we couldn't put it on grass, mm. even though 
the supplier knew it was an outdoor event. Yeah, and like worst case, if you hadn't read that, they would have turned up on the day and said, uh, it can't go there. Where else are you having it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That'll Excuse me, I just need to have a little sip of my vanilla milkshake. <laughs> yeah, Tam is taking it back to childhood today with her milkshake. Has even got sprinkles on top. Oh, what? Oh, that yeah. changes everything. I didn't know that. Didn't I show you? No. It's like hundreds and thousands or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's quite sickening. Okay, I'll, I'll carry on, shall I? Mm-hmm. Um, check for insurance requirements. Um, many event contracts will require the event planner or the client who's holding the contract to have liability insurance. So making sure you've got enough coverage um, to sign that and agree to that is also really important. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't listening, was drinking my milkshake. Excellent. <laughs> okay, well, my last one is um, get it in writing. So if you make any changes or agreements verbally over the phone or Often it happens at a venue site visit before you go to contract stage. Make sure you put that in writing to avoid any misunderstandings later on. I cannot stress this Mm. enough because so many things happen, like you said, when you're on a site visit, a phone call. um, It's just a verbal conversation. If you don't reiterate what's talked about via email, it can bite you on the bum big time. Definitely. And you both remember different things from the conversation. So Yeah, it's a way of gaining mutual understanding. You say exactly what you think think was said and what's going to happen going forward. And if they've if you've misinterpreted what they've said or if they've misunderstood you, once you've got it in writing, you can sort that out and you've just got that record there of what actually happened. I'm trying to think of an example recently. I can think of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently we did a large event. And during the site visit, the event manager discussed the ability to move the built-in furniture, well, not built-in, sorry, the furniture that was already in the space. Mm-hmm. And uh, their understanding was that we could move it. The venue clearly didn't have the same understanding because because as we got closer within one week of the event, they were saying you couldn't move the furniture, you can't bring in the external furniture you've booked because it won't fit. We'd already paid the deposit, the money. Yeah, so so the client thought one way, the venue thought the other way, and they had had a conversation with each other directly. They'd booked – the client in this instant had booked the venue directly and we hadn't been involved. Yeah. And there was a messy middle that we ended up – We ended up fixing. (laughs) Physically sorting out ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Completely unrelated note, I'm available for removalist duties. (laughs) (laughs) Just call Mel's hot hands. (laughs) She is available in her high vis. Yeah. That was one of those times where they say, get an events, they said. It'll be glamorous, they said. (laughs) Shoving furniture around. Yeah. Sneakers. (laughs) Sneakers are the best investment ever. Totally. So, any other tips? No, that's it for me. All right, so to sum it all up, reading and understanding event contracts is such an important step in creating a successful event. You need to take your time to read carefully through every part of it, ask lots of questions, make sure you understand the terms and conditions before signing. And by doing so, you can help to ensure that your event goes smoothly and that you're protected in case of any unexpected changes or issues or things that you never thought were going to pop up. And that's it. Amen, sister. You should be amazing (laughs) at contracts after this podcast. Yeah. Go forth and do your homework. And wake up now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was that boring. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. All right. See you later, guys. Ciao. Thanks for tuning in. 
For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast. Behind the Clipboard Podcast.